Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast, where we discuss all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, what we're going to do today is we've got Dave here. Dave has been one of our coaches for just over two years now. Um, he's been here since almost from the get-go when Inner Athlete was established here just across the road from um, Moorabbin Airport. Um, for those who don't know, Dave is he is one of our residential powerlifters. Well, he's just he's just jacked as a coach, really. Uh, super strong, competed recently um, in a competition. Did relatively well um, to his standards. Um, but he's a very strong lad. Um, a very humble lad as well. Yeah. Very humble, very humble. But what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about supplements for youth athletes. And I think this is a relevant topic um, because we have had a, quite a few conversations with not just our youth athletes, but just some of our younger members in general about the um, supplementation utilization and they want to get a bit more out of their training. So what we're going to do is um, Dave and I are going to go a little bit deeper into this topic and give you like a final verdict on what um, supplements that we, we believe that are relatively safe for youth athletes, but you know, so what are some red flags at the same time? So, what are the green flags and the red flags when it comes to the supplementation world? But what do we need to be doing specifically first? And we need to define the difference between dietary and sports supplements as well. So, Dave, I'll let you roll with it. Um, so, yeah, obviously, the nature of the word supplement means that we're supplementing something. So, uh, if we look at, we go to the, the the medication aisle in Woolies or Coles is we'll see some kind of supplement and they'll be typically your dietary supplements. So magnesium, magnesium sort of stuff. And... No, oh, keep going. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, magnesium, um, iron, vitamin C, that vitamin B, that sort of stuff. So they're going to be your dietary sort of supplements. Whereas um, we want to be able to find the difference between a dietary supplement and a sports supplement. Uh, and so that's what we'll go into more, more into today. So sports supplements are going to be more things that are designed and manufactured to help sport performance. Um, but in, in that sort of industry, there's going to be the good sports supplements and the bad sports supplements. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess with the sporting supplements, well, obviously, it kind of gets broken down to help to improve performance, but then they can also be broken down to help improve recovery as well. So, when it comes to like the marketing side, um, how do you think it's been sold to to the general public? But how do you think it's been sold to younger kids? Because like you've got Logan Paul, you've got KSI, you've got The Rock. Um, you've got all these big celebrities now that actually attract the younger market, the younger kids, um, and they're actually you know buying up these products and consuming them. Why why is it so appealing for I guess these appealing for people to actually take sports supplements in their training? Well, what's what's kind of like yeah? What what are they being sold? Yeah, I guess if we look back to the dawn of social media and the the Hollywoodization of the male physique and things like that is obviously society or today's today's sort of beauty standards are that 
you know, you've ripped, you're lean, you six pack abs, you've got muscles and things like that. So um, people believe that they have to look like that. And so the sports supplement industry or this is the supplement bodybuilding, bodybuilding supplement industry will target supplements to have that outcome. And young kids, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, starting to go to the gym, want to take supplements that will help them achieve their goal of getting leaner, put size on, be more athletic and things like that. So essentially the they're being sold in a way that will help the person or the athlete achieve their goal, but perhaps the athlete being sold to has unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of how how quick they're going to achieve that goal and they think that this supplement's going to help them get there quicker or if not instantly. I think that's a good point. And you said, I think it's, I definitely think it's for kids these days. It's we're in the world of instant gratification. So I think a lot of kids want to try and fast track the progress, fast track the, the road to achieving their goals. And I believe this can be a bit of a trap for people to be, that they get sold that it's going to help them with X, Y, Z. But if we go back to the literature and just basically if we you know consume a, a you know a well-rounded diet you know that's going to cover a majority a majority of that anyways in the first place as you mentioned before supplements is just an add-on to get that extra one or two percent from your training but let's talk into let's, let's go a little bit deeper like we've kind of got two worlds we're like you know people that want to put on mass um we've got people that want to drop weight um then we also got people who are just want to just push themselves to like to oblivion in terms of like this, the performance side. So let's go in the subconscious desire. So talk about like mass gainers, like, you know, what's the purpose of a mass gainer for, you know, for young kids specifically? So essentially a mass gainer is just a, I guess you could say a dietary and a sports supplement. Uh, it's typically protein powder with some sort of digestible carb source. So whether it be dextrose, uh, or something along those lines. It's, it's an easily digestible processed carb source uh, and usually has some sort of fats in there as well. So when we combine protein, carbs and fats, we have quite a big calorie bomb and the mass gainer, the word itself, is we're trying to gain mass. And I think people get mass and weight confused. I think mass is muscle, but essentially when you're going to have a mass gainer, you're essentially going to be putting on a lot of calories in your body which puts you in a calorie surplus which is going to essentially put you in a position where you're going to put on weight and for young kids training at the gym this would be a good place to start if they're not having a lot of calories in their daily intake and training really hard and that will help them build muscle but again the the, the marketing and the the labeling of these supplements say like you know 300 percent increase in muscle gain it's like well what's this what's what's need to be done in order to get that muscle gain you can't just take a supplement and expect to you know grow muscle overnight you don't wake up in the bed next morning and you've got and you've gained 10 kilos of muscle the work needs to be done for that yeah i think they it's almost like they inadvertently inadvertently keep out what's really required to help you know gain muscle and we'll talk about you know what the science is next um let's talk about fat burners you know it's interesting because the obesity rate for kids is actually just continues to climb, especially in Australia. 
I would say in the Western world and actually in Europe as well, obesity never used to be a thing in um, in Europe. Now it's actually become a, lot, a, bit, a bigger issue, especially with what's happening with um, with COVID and whatnot. But let's talk about fat burners. So if you've got a kid who's overweight and, and they're going towards fat burners, what's the, what's the issues there? If you've got kids who are overweight, um, fat burner should be the last thing that's on their mind. Um, even even for males, females who are overweight, fat burner should be the last thing on their mind. And again, it's the marketing that is telling them, hey, fat burning, you know, take this supplement and we'll, we'll burn three kilos in three days or whatever. So, um, but the kids, you know, they're constantly bombarded by pressures to, especially that young young adult phase 14 15 16 17 18 they've been they're told they have to conform to a specific body type and that will be typically be the leaner body type especially if they're in a, a sport where their body type is essential so swimming gymnastics um even tennis to some extent and yeah it's just, fat burning is it's it's essentially uh, to go into more of a what's actually in a fat burner is it could be things like caffeine um, certain thermogenic compounds that will help boost metabolism and heat the body up to help burn more calories throughout the day and just certain ingredients in that will, will help metabolize fat but perhaps not burn body fat in a net deficit to actually remove body fat from the body um, but if people people who are overweight and kids who are overweight Focusing on things like the low-hanging fruits, and that's what—that's the big picture that a lot of people are missing. The low-hanging fruits that will actually get them to lose weight, like proper sleep, proper nutrition, uh, proper training, and actually being in a calorie deficit and understanding what a calorie deficit is and how to get in a calorie deficit, in how to get in it and how to stay in it, and the things required around that as well. Yeah, and we'll cross that in a sec. Um, the last one is, I guess, the sporting performance. So we're going to talk about like pre-workouts. Um, branch chain amino acids we all we all have heard that in the research with that as well it's quite funny actually um with pre-workouts we know a lot of kids get tired and fatigued and they want to be able to come in get a nice pump and you know you know feel like you know they've worked really hard and pushed themselves really hard in the gym as we mentioned before fat burners are literally a that will the kids shouldn't even be there in that territory Mm. in the first place Mm. let's let's talk about pre-workouts like look some kids are going to experiment with caffeine, coffee. We know a couple of kids that have coffee and we just kind of have a discussion around that with them specifically on a case-by-case basis. And they, it seems like they've, you know, some one of the girls we, used, we work with, you know, she was having, you know, two or three cups of coffee a day and we managed to get her down to one, which I'm pretty happy with. Mm. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about the effects of like caffeine in terms of, you know, sporting performance and for kids and, you know, yeah, so caffeine, uh, by by the biochemistry side, essentially, essentially, it just makes you more alert and it gets those sleepy, sleepy hormones away. Um, so that's why you would take it first in the morning because it starts to take those sleepy hormones away. Um, in terms of the physical and physiological benefits you get from caffeine, is that it makes you more alert and it get you more aware what's happening around you so for sporting benefits if you're playing afl or tennis basketball you're not as mentally fatigued i guess and you're more aware of what's happening so you know whether it be 
the, the first tip-off in AFL or basketball, you're more aware of who's around you, what speed the what speed the ball what what speed the ball is travelling at, what direction it is, and things like that. It helps you make decisions better. Um, so I think that'd be the main benefits of caffeine. Um, anything else to add on that? Yeah, it's basically marketed as a way to improve performance. Yeah, I think that's the main thing that this is going to help with that performance. But what we'll do, what we'll do is we'll talk about you know what's really going to help you with your performance in the long term and being more sustainable in a moment. But I want to cross back to my experience. I used to work in a supplement store. Um, I worked there. Uh, for a couple of months, I got some training um, whilst I was working there in terms of supplementation. I did some my own research myself, so looked at some of the peer-reviewed stuff um, or journals, not stuff. Um, and yeah, started to read a lot more and listen to a few more experts within the field. Um, Lane Norton is definitely an expert in this field as well. Um, and he's someone who's quite reputable within the, I guess, the bodybuilding performance and um uh, supplement space but also um who's the other guy um works with ufc fighters um not not quinn hannock um andy galpin um he's also really good in the supplement space as well he's a yeah he's well, well known um, within the space and looks at a lot of research and does a lot of um, research himself um long story short so a lot of the supplement marketing is like it feels like, you know, you take, you buy this protein powder, whether it's 50, 60 bucks, you know, for a kilo, whatever it may be. And it's it's like, you know, you're getting sold a potential dream. Mm. It's like, oh, if you take this post-training, it's going to help with your recovery and therefore it helps with the recovery. You're going to get stronger. But I feel like that's only like four pieces out of a thousand piece puzzle in order to help you get to where you want or want to be. So um, when I was... I guess in the supplement store, I say like, cool, you got, it's going to help with this, but are you doing X, Y, and Z? Hmm. You know, how, what's your training like? Are you following a, strike, a good routine? Are you getting enough recovery? Um, so sleep specifically and also your food intake. Um, and if they were crossing and the frequency of training as well, if they were crossing those basic three things, with sleep, nutrition, and good, um, good training and progressive over time, then yes, they are going to make progress and they would even make progress without the supplements. Um, you could definitely argue that point as well. Um, but one of the biggest supplements that, I've, that I've always sold is branched-chain amino acids. It's going to help with your recovery. Um, it's going to... Oh, I can't, I can't remember what, what they said um, in the marketing. Yeah, because like, as soon as you start breaking down tissue, branched-chain amino acids is going to help with that recovery process. Yeah, essentially... Branch chain amino acids, they're isoleucine, isovalin, and valine, and they're, t- they're supposed to be the, the most anabolic amino acids that you can get. Is it get. isoleucine? Isoleucine, or is- yeah, leucine, isoleucine, and valine. valine. And um, they're the ones that are the most anabolic and they help boost muscle growth. Yeah, I think that was the research that was kind of, they, they, they trigger muscle protein synthesis. But I think the reason that a lot of these supplement companies took the piss out of this a little bit too much, and then they start creating all these weird ratios yeah. with the supplements, like a twenty-one-one. That's what I've heard of, like an eight-one-one, a four-one-one. Um, but a lot of the experts and researchers in the field have actually said just consume protein regularly, and you don't actually need it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So in in um. You'll, you'll, you'll get your BCAAs or your branched chain amino acids in your protein powder. 
but in its full form with its other essential amino acids, you've got non-essential amino acids and amino acids. Uh, your BCAAs are part of those 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 groups. So just by having normal protein powder, you're getting those BCAAs. Yeah, it's a, I think the research says yeah, muscle protein synthesis was a lot higher when you take branched chain amino acids, but in the food that we consume, anything that's like animal based foods, poultry, fish, whatever it may be, that's animal based, is going to have all these essential amino acids, milk as well. Um, da- a lot of dairy um, has all the essential amino acids, but it's sold specifically as this one thing, as it's going to be the game changer to your to creating your goals. Unfortunately, it's it is the thousand piece puzzle in order to help create what you want uh, specifically. Um, so that was always interesting. So I'd, usually you you talk to them and find out what their goals are, and nine times out of ten. They'll take the branch chain amino acids and they've been told by their friend or something like that. And it's like, what are you having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I'd go for, start from there. And it's like, it sounds like you're not even eating, eating enough protein. Yeah, if, if you're someone that's skipping breakfast and you know, having toast and peanut butter and just no protein throughout the day and then slam yourself from the gym with a two-hour workout and slam yourself with pre-workout, BCAAs are doing nothing for you. They're just going straight through you until you're eating adequate protein intake and taking enough protein in then that you actually start seeing growth and then that's that's when bcaa's may have an effect for you yeah um but i enjoyed my time there i worked there you know people would buy um or supplements you know test boosters uh, pre-workouts you name it um I tried some stuff and you know most of it didn't really i didn't really notice much of an effect but um we'll talk about the supplements that you know have research behind them that actually work but what does the science say? If we get sleep, nutrition, and good training, they're going to be the key factors in order to achieving your goals, whether it's improve your strength, power, speed, recovery, um, to be able to play a full season as well, in order, and also be able to return from injuries as well. So long, if you sustain an injury as well, if you can get these elements under control, it's actually going to really help you move in the right direction. And the supplements is kind of like, it's not really necessary. Hmm. I think the I might be wrong on this, but I think one of the the main stats is like if you have between five and six hours of sleep a night, your your risk of injury is goes up by fifty percent. So um, that's a very alarming statistic to know, especially um, as as an athlete, you you literally you're injured or you're waiting to be injured. So the nature of the sport is that if you if you're not injured, you're very lucky. And you want to do as much as you can to stay on the field. The best ability is availability. So, yeah. Yeah, and we harp this on with a lot of the members here, especially the young kids. Is like, um, if, if your sleep isn't good, we need to make some modifications pretty quickly in order to get it back on track. Because if once your sleep does get into a bad habit, it's very it takes a bit of time to get back into a good habit of a um, good habit or good sleep cycle, uh, specifically. So. Number one is sleep, and I think it's a really big one. Um, number two is nutrition. Like most kids don't even understand what good nutrition is these days. I don't think it's really taught. Yeah, um, just I, I think back to when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, I didn't even know what calories were. I just ate food because it tastes good. So uh, I think uh, as, as a fitness professional and a youth fitness specialist is to do our best to educate the kids around nutrition and why we're eating certain foods and one thing that you and i have both seen in athlete is kids don't eat enough protein 
and I don't know whether it stems from a, a parents a parents thing or if maybe there's a stigma around protein or if you eat too much protein you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've been in heaps of protein. I still don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bad, bad for your kidneys and liver. I've heard that one yeah, a few times. Um, but if you're if you're really concerned about your kidneys and liver, get a blood test. That's probably the best way to start seeing if things work for you. And yeah, the science might say this, but the science doesn't test you. And at the end of the day, the science is an average, and you may or may not be part of that average. And most going back to the protein thing, most kids don't even meet their protein requirements for for growth and development. I can't remember the exact range, but I think it's between one point is it point eight to one point two grams per kilogram of body weight for muscle maintenance or just yeah for, for development um i'm not sure if it's relevant for kids but from my top top of my head it's 1.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of uh lean body mass so if you're a 50 kilo athlete you want to be having around 100 grams of protein a day yeah and it's not too difficult these days actually to get that mm. amount of protein so that's number two number three is good training um Let's talk about, uh, we can go pretty deep into this really quickly, but what are the issues that we see with a lot of kids when they start training in the gym and I guess, you know, it, they're trying to get results from their training? Uh, again, it, I think it just comes back to the stigma and the betrayal of the gym. Unless you've got someone who you know who's been to the gym before and actually done a proper program. Most, most kids will come to the gym, start doing bodybuilding style workouts, especially for young males and I guess uh, young females is that young males will look to improve their size, you know, build curl for the girls, um, mirror muscles, chest, biceps, triceps, shoulders, all that sort of stuff. Don't skip legs, you know, skip legs as well. But for the girls, it might be glutes, look, looking, looking lean and things like that, and building their glutes. And you know, the whole whole freaking industry built off booty bands and booty programs, things like that. But um, that's to the detriment of the athletic performance. Yeah, um, if you want to become athletic, you need to train like an athlete. Mm-hmm. It's pretty That's simple it. with that one. But let's go for the final final verdict. So let's talk about protein. So we talked about kind of the protein needs um, before. Yep, so protein, we, we can group it under a sports and a dietary supplement. If you are someone who's incredibly busy and uh, can't, I guess can't afford whole food protein sources, chicken, uh, chicken, beef, lamb, tuna, meat-based proteins or dairy-based proteins, protein powder might be the way to go for you because it is a supplement. So if you need to supplement on top of your current intake, go for your life. Yeah, I don't I don't always recommend or make the suggestion for our athletes to always go down the protein route. I always like to make sure they get whole food sources hmm. um, first. And as you mentioned before, a supplement is, is more of an, an add-on hmm. at the end hmm. of the day. Hmm. Um Creatine. Let's talk about creatine. We didn't talk. We haven't talked about it. I've been holding off. Um, yes, yeah, so creatine. It's one of the most widely researched uh, sports supplements out there at the moment. So, creatine you'll always find in a sports supplement store. You always find it in. Um, you may find it in a Woolies. You definitely find it in a chemist warehouse. Essentially, it's it's performance han- a performance enhancer for your phosphocreatine system, so the ATPC system. That's the first system you use in any sort of explosive movement, style movements, things like that. Um, so to put it shortly, when you're doing explosive style movements, you'll run out of that 
creatine stores. So to supplement it, you're essentially bolstering more of what you can do. So it, it can it, it definitely does enhance performance, but I think some people think it's it enhances performance in a in a way that's way too much than they think what it should be. Yeah, when I first did when I first used creatine, I, I felt like my bench was flying out of nowhere. It was absolutely amazing. The same way. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know, but it just it definitely felt a lot more than normal. I do. Um, I know some of our members do take creatine as well for the performance and the recovery elements, um, and especially for those who play um, high intensity, so repeat repeated high efforts. Um, this can actually be quite good um, for them, especially um, with their training. Um, let's talk about um, the pump. Let's talk about beta-alanine, citrulline, malate, and beetroot powder. Yep, so beta-alanine is, again, one of those widely researched uh, sports supplements. Uh, if you've taken a pre-workout supplement before and you've felt the tingles and you, you feel like the skin's really itchy, um, you've got beta-alanine, I think, for that. Most people will take beta-alanine for that reason. They like the tingles. Some may not. Uh, but essentially, the function that beta-alanine has in the body is, is that it's a lactic a lactic acid buffer so it's actually fatigue buffer so for sports that do work in that lactate threshold area supplementing beta alanine may actually be helpful rowing running cycling anywhere any sport where you're putting yourself in the hurt locker like that's it that's in, it in an acid bath yeah most people call it um citrulline malate and beetroot powder so citrulline malate again quite a popular sports supplement in pump formulas so you'll find a pre-workout citrulline malate helps to pump that sort of stuff um essentially it's a vasodilator so vasodilator means it, it dilates your arteries to help with nutrient delivery so when you when you've got a pump you want to get those uh, arteries and circulatory system as dilated as possible to get those nutrients and get the pump uh, beetroot powder, a little bit different. So this is naturally occurring. Uh, beetroot, beetroot powder is high in nitrates. Nitrates uh, induce vasodilation as well. So you also get the pump through that. Yeah. Um, and I've actually suggested a few of our members to actually take this during um, the off, their off-season and pre-season, especially when they're doing a lot more high-volume-based um, training. Um, it's definitely... And they've actually reported back saying they actually feel a lot better and they can push themselves a little bit harder in their training. So it's definitely um, been really beneficial. But yeah, we're going to wrap it up there today. Um, three, do you have three key takeaways that people can take home with them about supplements for youth athletes? Yep. So for supplements is first ask yourself, do you really need it? Uh, I would definitely ask if you've got a coach, ask him, hey, do I need this supplement? Or we've had a lot of kids come up to us and ask, oh, is this protein powder good or is this pre-workout good? And using our experience and understanding their context, context as well, we'll give them a recommendation. But you can always get the benefits of supplementation through whole foods. So if in doubt, ask someone or just look to how you can get it in whole foods. And again, what we said before is sleep, good nutrition and good training. They're, they should be your big cornerstones before you think about anything else. Yeah, I totally agree. Thanks for that. Enjoy. You have just listened to the Inner Athlete Podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the release of weekly episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get great tips on all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring.